0: And I could feel not only my death, but I could feel my daughter's death a few feet away. And it really did help sharpen me in a certain way and really, and it opened my heart. Like I just, yeah. I loved her unabashedly. Yeah. So leading to that, I had to, I, it allowed me to really feel how impermanent everything is. Yeah. And then once she died, it wasn't necessarily expected. We were hoping she would have a new set of lungs and have a new, like, few more years to, with these new set of lungs, so it wasn't expected. Mm-hmm. I had to really go into the depths of pain.
1: Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. Are you still afraid of death? Did you know that emotional presence, you know, that thing that women often cite as the reason they don't trust men, is something you can actually relax into? And are you aware that you can play a significant role in helping your partner heal past traumas? In this episode, my guest, John Wineland, and I offer useful insights to these questions and more. This conversation with John was deeply moving for me because death was present when he and I spoke. And death does well to open the masculine heart. You see, just a few months earlier, John made an excruciating decision that is every parent's nightmare. When he took his 21-year-old daughter, Claire Wineland, a young lady who was just a light of inspiration in the world, he took her off life support, ending her roller coaster journey with cystic fibrosis. Although John shares some of what he's learning through this painful experience, and it is profound, especially the parts about being supported by other men, this interview isn't actually specifically about that. Because John is a renowned coach and teacher who travels worldwide, teaching his vision of embodied men's work and deep relational practice for couples. He's been leading men's groups for decades and is also a longtime student of author David Data, the man whose teachings completely change the way I see not just myself and women, but the world. John writes extensively about masculine leadership, and you can catch him throughout Europe and the US leading workshops on embodied men's work, spiritual intimacy, and sexual practice. Definitely stay tuned for John's five key takeaways at the end of this episode of Men this way all right let's dive john wineland how are you, brother
0: i'm very good brian how you doing
1: i'm well thank you man i'm really honored to have you on men this way
0: thank you truly my pleasure to be here
1: we've shared a stage together remember the sexuality symposium at wanderlust right and we had a kind of funny moment Right. Remember that Sheila Kelly moment, the S-Factor moment, all oh, the whole oh, yeah, 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 yeah. hundred people are, are you know broken out into this beautiful, intimate uh, intimacy practice. Sheila Kelly, who does S-Factor, has all the women dancing for men. And you and I are just standing there <laughs> <laughs> respectfully <laughs> in the back, You're right, thoughtfully, just space, just Hold. holding space. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, other than that, you know, you and I haven't really been able to connect we've kind of orbited in some ways. I think I got locked out once from one of your men's workshops because <laughs> I showed up a couple of minutes late. Respect, man, respect, I yeah. get it. But nonetheless, John, your name, your image, your work has been, you know, in the world of masculine and feminine study, sexual polarity practice, and men's embodiment, your name is going on legendary status, I dare say. <laughs> Thank you, Yeah, it's you loom- good to know. You loom large in the space in a really powerful way. And that's why I wanted to have
0: you on the program. It's very kind of you to say. I've worked for a long time at it. Yeah, yeah. Practice, 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 you know? Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, no such thing as an overnight success. There's only 20 and 30 year overnight successes.
0: Right, right, right. I subscribe to the, I'm sure you've read Outliers, you know, the 10,000 hour. Um, yes. Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Yep. You know, man, if I look at all the people that I really dig in the world that I really respect, they've kind of followed that path. Yeah. They've put the time in it. Yeah. And, you know, I might, I might be maybe halfway there, but you know, yeah. it's definitely, I, I wrote an article called fuck hacking, go deep. Cause I, mm-hmm. I kind of think like that idea has been lost a little bit. Like, mm-hmm.
1: I know it. Yep. I actually yeah. have a video that I haven't put out. That's all about you know, put down your bulletproof coffee already. Stop fucking trying right. to hack your life <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and just right. fully be present in it. Live it. Right. Be be, right. be with what's happening. Yeah. But, but John, I can't imagine that as a kid, this is what you dreamed of being.
0: <laughs> it's so funny, right? I mean, like, did you think that, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, like, hey, I'm going to be leading workshops where people are going to be doing, you know, sexual intimacy practice and yeah. rolling around on the floor and crying. And I mean, no. Yeah, no. What What did you want to be as a kid? A baseball player. Baseball player. Who'd you want yeah. to play for? Dodgers. The Dodgers. Okay. I grew up in LA. I grew up a, like a Vince Scully. Okay. Yeah. You know, the big blue wrecking crew kind of thing. And yeah, Classic I was a Dodgers fan. fan. Yep. Yeah. Still am. Still am. Okay, I respect that. Did you play in high school? Yeah, I played in high school. I also played basketball. I actually played with a guy named Greg Maddox, who's pretty well known. He was a year behind me. Now he's in the Hall of Fame, and I'm doing what I do. (laughs) (laughs) So it just goes to show you the best laid plans of teenagers.
1: Well, tell us about a significant event or experience then in your early life that really played a fundamental role in shaping your journey as a man.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, the one that really looms large and that I still, you know, have to work with occasionally mm. is the, my dad split when I was young. Mm-hmm. And so I had, a step- how, old, how old were you? 18 months, 18 yeah. months. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, I come from that kind of thing, you know, yeah. My Mom and dad were hippies. My dad kind of did his thing. Mm. So I grew up with all women pretty much, Yeah. except I had a stepfather Yep. who was with me from the time I was like four till 10. And at 10, he was murdered. When I was 10, he was mm. murdered. And it was one of those experiences where I was playing football out in the street with my friends, happy as can be. I walked in the living room and then there was just like, everybody was crying. And mm. and I remember, I've gone back and looked at that moment from a, bird's, a God's eye view, Yeah. right? And that's definitely one of the moments that shaped my life, right? And it's funny. I look now and I think, you know, I'm a guy who grew up with virtually no masculine leadership my grandfather's died. Yeah. Richard died. And so what do I teach? You know what I mean? Like I'm writing a book on masculine leadership. Yeah. So it just goes to show you how your, you know, your biggest wounds become your gifts. Yeah.
1: I see this in a lot of, of men in our space. I too, you know, when I was four, my dad left and my, my stepfather, didn't even arrive till many years later. And and he came, you know, good heart, but very wounded in the execution of his presence, let's say. Mm-hmm. And, um, I grew up with women, strong women as well, you know, three sisters, basically two moms that really held things together. Yeah. And so I was very disoriented around being a man. Mm-hmm. So I see that, you know, in, in our, in our work, there's the, your, your mess is your message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't know that about you, man. I really appreciate hearing that background and, and um, mm. can so understand. I know for me, and even why I'm doing this podcast and I'm, why I'm having men like you on this podcast is because I'm soaking it all up. Mm. Mm. I wonder how, you know, what role have then mentors played in your experience, male mentors specifically? You know, mentors, friendships with men. How has that then enriched your life, given that you grew up without that significance?
0: Yeah, Yeah, well, huge. In fact, I can say unequivocally, I would not be here if it wasn't for the men in my life. Like, I'm actually surrounded by, in my opinion, the greatest men on the planet, Mm. the the best teachers. You know, I I got sober when I was 29, Mm. and I just, I fell into men's groups, Mm -hmm. There was a men's meeting here in Santa Monica on the promenade every day at noon and guys from 18 to 70, you know, with one day of sobriety to 40 years of sobriety. Mm. And I lived at that meeting for the first 10 years of my sobriety. Mm. And those guys are the guys that helped me raise, taught me how to be a dad, taught me how to start a business, taught me how to chase a dream. And I still, you know, 20 years later, I still see those guys every Thursday night. We, you know, so, so so that was a, I have history with them.
1: That was a group of men that were meeting that the, the core thing that brought you all together was
0: addiction or recovery. Yeah. Sobriety. Yeah. We were all, we're all sober. Yeah. We were all in, you know, we were all sober. So, so yeah, we all came together and met on this restaurant and had lunch together every day, almost every day. Yeah. For 10 years or so. And yeah. those guys are still, when my daughter died a few months back, those were the guys that were at my, you know, at my side. Yeah. You know, one of my, you know, my sponsor, and one of my dearest friends came down the night that I found out that she was going to have to mm. be taken off life support. Yeah. Took me to a Korean spa and to dinner. Like that kind of like just, yeah. just yeah. held me. Right. Mm. So those guys, those guys are those guys. And since then, other men in my men's group, uh, David, who's a teacher of mine. And Mm -hmm. I've just had great men really blessed there. Yeah.
1: I love how you language that. It held me. Mm. It's not something that, you know, this podcast is for men. I know a lot of women will be listening, but this podcast is for men. And that's not something that we talk about. Well, I want to say needing, or we don't just don't even talk about it, Mm -hmm. need to be held by other men, particularly when we're fucking going through
0: it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I mean, I, I was kind of cursed and blessed with a situation where I needed help. I mean, I was, you know, maybe a year sober, so I still had my head way up my ass. Mm -hmm. I come from a long line of hard drinking Irish, Scottish Uh, alcoholics, right? And uh And I had my head up my ass. And then I had this daughter who was born, this really beautiful, wonderful girl that was born, who was born sick. And I knew that I could not take care of her on my own. Mm. So I was, it's almost like God forced me to be able to reach out and to depend on other men and rely on other men. And I'll tell you, Ryan, like those guys came to the hospital when Claire was sick and they would sing songs and spend time with her. And you know, they were the guys that helped start her foundation, which mm. became her platform. As, I don't know if you know, but mm-hmm. that became her platform. So literally, like I owe my entire life to the incredible men that have supported me.
1: Yeah. You've talked about your daughter dying, acknowledging that. And I mean, how could you not? I know it's fresh. And I actually found out through my news app mm. on my phone <laughs> that this light in the world named Claire Wineland had died and I was so touched, but I didn't make the connection. It was actually my partner, Sylvie, who, cause I didn't know you had a daughter because mm-hmm. we don't know each other that well. Right. And when I found out and I made the connection, I was just gutted. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was sad to begin with, but then when that connection was made and I, knowing the work that you do and, and I, I know you and your family are still grieving, I'd like to just ask you really one question about that experience because I believe that death is something that men must reconcile with if we're going to live fully. Mm. What is this difficult experiencing teaching you that you could share with us now? Mm. Hmm.
0: Well, there's two parts to it. Mm. One is the part pre-death because Claire was sick and we knew that she was not gonna live as long as most people had to get right with death before she died. And that gave us a really beautiful appreciation of the time we had. Mm -hmm. And it also gave us a lot of humor around death. You know what I mean? Like we actually had a really, we had a lot of fun with it. Like her Mm -hmm. and I, you know, play with it a lot. Yeah. So leading up to it, I kind of take a Carlos Castaneda view of death, you know, which is like death is near, right. But it hasn't taken me yet, Mm -hmm. but I always know he's a few feet away. And I could feel not only my death, but I could feel my daughter's death a few feet away. And it really did help sharpen me in a certain way and really, and it opened my heart. Like I just, I loved her unabashedly. Yeah. So leading to that, I had to, I, it allowed me to really feel how impermanent everything is.
1: Yeah.
0: And then once she died, it wasn't necessarily expected. We were hoping she would have a new set of lungs and have a new, like, few more years with these new set of lungs. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. expected. I had to really go into the depths of pain like I've never had to before. You know what I mean? And I've experienced death before. And so it was a big practice in staying open. I tried to write a lot about it. Mm -hmm. I tried to just be with, be supported. As luck would have it or fate would have it, you know, my partner of 7 years and I broke up literally a week before Claire died. Mm. And so I was going through the two biggest feminine presences in my life mm. at that time and I felt so lost. Yeah. Like I I was lost and yeah. and I just I leaned on the men. I mean, I was on the phone three or four times a day with my brothers, guys in, you know, guys in my men's group, you know, my teachers, And I just relaxed into it and felt the pain. So I guess post-death, it's really about relaxing into the death, relaxing into it. And Mm -hmm. pre-death, for me, it was about appreciating the time we had. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say one one last thing about that, because I think this is actually a really important lesson for me, at least. And Claire, too. I realized, you know, in the last few years, I would not have traded in a healthy Claire for the Claire that I had and she felt the same way. Like She wouldn't have traded in a healthy life. I mean, she wanted to get healthy, but she wouldn't have traded her experience for the experience that she was having. And I think that really is part of what made her message so special. And also for me, feels like a a really deep lesson for me to be grateful with what you have as painful as it is.
1: Yeah. You know, when I learned of her death and I went into research, who is this woman? And and I saw just the way that she showed up. I mean, a light, a light in the world. I was so touched and so moved by, and this was even before I made the connection Mm -hmm. with you. So how do you, you know, relaxing into the pain relaxing into the experience, I think, you know, both you and I work with couples and I know, that's a common challenge that us men have is just that relaxing into what is present, what is here, rather than bypassing it, you know, rationalizing it away. So many men I've heard from stories who've had deaths early in their life. Like I remember one man telling me, um, you know, mom died when he was like eight years old and dad's approach was just get over it, move on, get over it. Right. Suck it up, get over it. And I can even, you know, a, a couple months ago, well, maybe a year ago, my dad and I, we've been healing our relationship and I, I got a phone call from him maybe a year ago and it didn't, you know, it went like it always went, which wasn't well. Mm. And um, I was sad, but I was driving and my partner told me, she said, Brian, it's okay if you want to pull over the car and just be sad. And I was, no, I don't want to pull over the car. I got, we have somewhere to go. Fuck this shit. <laughs> I got, I got shit to do. Yeah. But she was so right in the sense of where am I going? Other than just avoiding still more, avoiding what's present. Why does that matter? Mm. Why does it matter for men
0: to learn this practice? Yeah, that's a great question, Brian. Um, Because it's the deepest play of the moment. I think most guys that I know, like you said, kind of float along the surface of their lives, like chasing achievement, chasing comfort, chasing validation. And the truth of the matter is, is that there's a possibility for depth in every moment. And if you're feeling sad about your daughter, about your father, about whatever, and you bypass that, you miss that opportunity to go deep, you're literally missing an opportunity to train your nervous system to hold more. And the byproduct of holding more is that more will be sent to you. Mm the more capable your nervous system is at being with your own emotional, energetic body, the more, I believe, the universe just kind of, the more magnetic you get, yeah. let's put it that way, the more mm-hmm. magnetic you get. Mm-hmm. So magnetism is one great reason why that's important, to feel as deeply mm-hmm. as you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it's about integrity. If I'm sad and I'm avoiding the sadness, I'm out of it in it personal integrity and the world will feel it.
1: Yeah. Isn't that interesting because... I mean, it's sort of the masculine code is integrity, your word, being in congruence with your word. And yet when it comes to emotional integrity, Mm -hmm. we generally tend to throw emotions out as having anything to do with integrity.
0: It's the complete opposite in my book. (laughs) A man and women can feel this, right? Like if, If I'm avoiding anger, if I'm angry and everybody knows it, but I'm denying it. I'm not angry. Yeah. Right. I'm going to be felt as a man of low integrity and they won't necessarily know why they'll just yeah. feel like I'm not trustable.
1: That's right. That's right. It'll come out as I don't really trust you or I don't feel safe around you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yet we as men will then in bewilderment, <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm so trustworthy. Mm-hmm.
0: I keep my word. I'm so safe. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I say I'm going to do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I like the definition of integrity as, you know, structural, there's structural integrity, meaning yeah. in my posture is standing. I mean, you've done this work, yeah. right? You know, yes. are you grounded? Like there's a structural integrity, yeah. but the emotional integrity is, are you, are you feeling and in relationship with the truth of your emotional body?
1: Yeah. Integrity. Hear that men listening? Integrity is not just about the words coming out of your mouth. It is integrity in how you're holding your body. You know, I, I noticed, John, you know, I've been with my partner for a little over three years now, and she, like every woman, has been the best teacher I've ever had. And But this one is like my PhD plus level course. And right, right. one of the things that I've really gotten present to is when when I'm upset, when we're in an argument, I will cross my arms and turn my body away from her.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And I'm trying to hold it together, you know, speak rationally, sort of not get upset and angry. But clearly, my body, yeah, is telling her. Right. Well, it's a lot of things, really.
0: Yeah.
1: So that's been something I really, I really want the men listening to get that point that how we hold our body, what's happening. One of my teachers, uh, Steve James. You know, Steve James. I
0: don't know Steve. Oh, Guru? yeah, I know Steve. Oh, yeah, I know Steve.
1: Yeah, so, yeah sure. So I, yeah. I interviewed
0: him. Guru and, um, Viking.
1: Guru Viking. I love yeah, that. Sure. Love that, that man. Uh, I've studied with him, and I love the way he defined intimacy as, as seeing what is there to be seen and yeah. feeling what is there to be felt. Mm. Mm. Right? And I can imagine, I think grieving is something we men must learn beyond just when something huge happens. Mm. Mm. What, what would you say about that? the role of grieving in our lives?
0: Well, uh, unless you've grown up with the most, you know, conscious parents on the planet. And even Mm -hmm. so they probably still fucked you up. You know, I mean, you've got grief and I Mm -hmm. think that men don't feel the value of grief. We assume, you know, men are always looking for the value proposition. Like, Mm -hmm. how's this going to make me more money? Get me laid, get me what I want, get me, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And grief traditionally doesn't have a great value proposition. Yeah, it's all bad. It's all bad. And yet the most impact I've had on people in my life have been when I've been openly in integrity with my grief. You know? And when I've written that way, when I've taught that way, when I've been with my partners that way, when I've given talks that way, it has the deepest impact. And so grief actually is a gift And I think it's a gift that a lot of men, for men to share their grief in a way that is inspiring and opens people's hearts, that's a gift. And I think Mm. it's a gift that a lot of men miss giving.
1: And I want to really draw this distinction out because I had an experience that really shocked me a couple of years ago. I have a huge family, but I haven't really been with death much in my family. Mm. I haven't had the, the big obvious causes to grieve. It's coming. Mm. God willing, if I'm fortunate right. to not be the one right. that everyone's grieving. Right. Right. <laughs> right. 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 But, but I had an experience maybe two years ago where I, I sold a truck. Mm. This was a truck that had taken me from Florida to California mm. that I had toured with amazing music band, five brothers who were basically my husband's for a couple of years. Mm. And the band broke up. We had all these magical experiences. And then I sold the truck couple years after, I mean, it's, it carried me to burning man three times, all kinds of stuff. I cried like a baby Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. night that I sold that truck. And I've never been into cars or trucks or anything. I don't give a shit about those things. And yet I sobbed Mm. in a way. And my partner, my woman, she was with me. She probably helped get it out of me too. She has that effect. So I just want to draw that distinction, John, because I know you're going through something that everyone would agree is grieve worthy, (laughs) right? But I think what you're pointing at too is, is grieving. There's so much to grieve.
0: Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. I mean, from the loss of something that's very, it's like an end of an era, I guess maybe your your truck was an era, but I also think that as we do the work, as we become more embodied, as we deepen in our kind of physical and energetic bodies, we start to tap into the grief of the entire, not just the mm. world around us, but mm-hmm. our lineage, the pain of our clients, yes. yeah. you know? And so the more sensitive we get to the world, the more the more available we are, but also the more we're picking up the grief of not just us, but other people. Yeah. And that's a big part of it for me.
1: You wrote something that I think I read in the book, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, the first idea of this. And you just recently re- I don't know, not read, but in your own words, and your own experience, you said something really beautiful. You said, men, it's time to take responsibility for the sins
0: of our fathers and brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please share more about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, the jury's still out on how that's affecting men. You know, I think, I think some guys are inspired by it. Some guys are fuck you asshole. Like, mm-hmm. yep. not my, you know, I didn't do it. Yeah. I just think we're at a crucial moment in history. Yep. And I think in this moment in history, we as men have to, you know, to use Steve's example of intimacy, right? To be yeah. with what is, right? Yeah. And to love what is, to feel what is. Well, what is is that women are waking up to an incredible amount of pain and trauma over a hundred thousand years of being owned. The planet is in a bit of trauma, right? I mean, the planet's gonna be fine. We're fucked, but the planet's gonna be fine. And so What is, is that men have created trauma in the world Mm -hmm. and it's irresponsible and a little immature, I think, quite frankly, for us to step into a relationship or to step into a role on the planet as a teacher or to, you know, to just acknowledge being an agent for social change without understanding that we actually have to take on what other men have done, where other men have led us. And, you know, I write a lot about masculine leadership and it's, and I think one of the first things you have to do is to acknowledge what you're stepping into and what we're stepping into is a kind of a shit show, a man-made shit show. And so the first step in healing is to acknowledge that we, that us and our lineage, and maybe in some instances, us personally have helped cause that.
1: Yeah. I've seen that in my own intimate relationship, you know, my partner, Comes with trauma. She comes with a past. Totally. Trauma caused by the ignorance of other men. And I have attempted early in the relationship, especially to say, hey, this isn't mine to deal with. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which, John, you know how that goes. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Not well. Not well. And in fact, our relationship has succeeded and even thrived really. Contingent upon my growth in taking responsibility, not blame. I think that's very different. Not blame, but responsibility. Yeah, helping to heal the trauma for sure that I didn't do. At least not to her. I probably did in other ways
0: to other women. Absolutely. I think that men going into relationships, again, this idea of what masculine leadership is to me. Right. I mean, this is just my definition. Yeah. It, It really starts with what you just spoke about, which is to have the awareness and the wisdom to acknowledge the woman you love has this going on. Yeah. My value is to support her, lead her, be with her, encourage her, love her as she is yeah. not to just want to extract the juicy, sexy, yeah. playful parts of her and then send her to therapy for everything else. <laughs> but, you, know, you know what I mean? Like go deal with this baby. You know, you know, yeah. I just yes. think that's lazy and it's not effective. Yeah. And I think almost every man stepping into an intimate relationship is going to be stepping into a situation like this. Yeah. And I would just prefer they step in aware. Yeah. And somewhat inspired to be a, you know, to really serve.
1: In fact, what I've found through again direct experience is the more I'm willing to take responsibility. Again, not blame, but responsibility and being with my partner in the growth and the healing and she's doing her work. She's doing, you know, as, as, as I'm doing my own trauma healing work as well Yeah. that actually the sexy juicy that, that vixen that just, you know, just lights up my world and fucks me every way I want to be Mm -hmm. fucked. Mm -hmm. She shows up. Yeah.
0: She shows up and there's more of her. (laughs) Yeah, you know, there's more of her available. Yeah. I, I had an experience with a woman that I'm dating where, you know, early on it became clear that she had stuff with her father. Right. And it was like a, it was like a block in our intimacy. And I was like, okay, well I could either like shut down and avoid it or blame her or tell her to go take care of it. Or I could use some of my skills. Right. So we did this like right in the middle of it. We kind of did this deep shadow work practice and I held her through this whole process where she went back into high school and met her 16-year-old mm-hmm. self and was mm-hmm. sobbing and crying and went through this whole thing and came out the other end of it just like open and, and, mm-hmm. and in some way having, all I did was hold space and lead a little bit and she met herself there. And that's my value yeah. to her. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, That's me taking her someplace that she could not have taken herself in that moment. yeah. And I think that that's the opportunity that I would like to teach men is available, yeah. right? Yeah. It, yeah. You don't have to be a teacher of this. You just have to have some understanding of what they're dealing with and really yeah. hold space. Give her a pillow and say, you know, <laughs> like beat on the pillow, baby, <laughs> yeah. I'm right here. I fucking yeah. love you when you beat yeah. on pillow. yeah pillow. I mean, just doing that and the intimacy, like you said, the intimacy that comes from being witnessed in that experience is beautiful for a yeah. feminine being. Yeah. It's beautiful.
1: Let's stay here for a moment. I'd love to to make this and maybe or maybe there's something else you'd want to highlight around relationship. But what do you think is a core insight, core practice, something, but what do you think is the main thing that men really need to know or
0: learn to create a truly fulfilling intimate relationship? Hmm. Well, there's a few, but I'll give the one that yeah. seems is coming through me right now. I would ask men to learn the capacity for embodied, for embodied presence, right? It's one thing to be present, mm-hmm. right? You can like, be, like physically in the room. Yeah, and, and aware. And you aware. Know, Eckhart Tolle, Eckhart Tolle uh, style, right? right? You know, I mean, like right. I'm a, I can hear the most distant sound. Right. I can, you know. Neo in the matrix. Yeah, yeah, right. I can feel I'm present. Yeah. But to embody presence is a different practice and it requires a groundedness. It requires breath. It requires a relaxation of the heart, it requires a wide awareness. Mm -hmm. That capacity to own that structure, it's a yogic practice like David talks about, David Data talks about this, it's a yogic practice. And that practice relaxes the nervous system of a feminine being Mm. and allows whatever wants to come up to come up. Mm. Because now I'm holding the structure of the moment i am embodied presence and I'm allowing anything that she needs to bring up to come up. Yeah. So to me, that's like table stakes. Got to learn that. Just, you gotta just, learn, yeah. You, yeah, you got to learn to be a, an embodied presence.
1: Yeah. You have a quote on your website that I really enjoyed. It's a roomy quote. Mm. There is one way of breathing that is shameful and constricted. Then there's another way a breath of love that takes you all the way to infinity. Yeah. It's poetic but it's also very practical, isn't it? <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's a, it's it's like he's giving you the yogic practice, right? Breathe, you know, breathe infinity. But to me, when I hear that, I guess what I'm what I'm imagining he's saying is breathe in a way that your body opens so much mm-hmm. to feel infinity. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I noticed, as I said earlier, you know, I'll, I'll cross my, when I'm, when I'm triggered and in my upset state, I'll cross my arms and I'll, I'll turn away. Yeah. Yeah. And one of my just basic practices is to just turn and face her, drop my arms and just breathe a little more deeply.
0: Yeah. It's crucial. I try to do that and then remember to ground, like feel my feet sinking into Mm. the earth or feel the earth kind of feeding me. Mm. I've been studying a a fair amount of martial arts lately and- Mm -hmm. It's amazing the link between sexual yogic practice and martial arts. Mm. I'm learning stuff from him and I'm going, "Fuck, like that's that's exactly what I teach people, you know, and that's what yeah. that's what my teacher teaches." So I, you know, there's something about like being in the center line In martial arts, they'll teach you in Kung Fu, they'll teach you be in the center line, like always own the center line or have the center line. And it's the same in intimacy. Like you want your center line to be lined with hers or his Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. whoever you're being intimate with. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, again, the embodiment practice is so crucial.
1: Well, you know, as you're describing that, I love that. Be center aligned. Is that, was that the? Yeah. and yeah. And I'm thinking even with a cup of coffee, being center aligned yeah, with a cup of coffee, sure. that is gonna be the best fucking cup of coffee I've ever had. Right, right, right.
0: right. Fully present. You're basically <laughs> taking the deepest part of your body, like that part, that part from your throat, you know, behind the heart, right in front of the spine, all the way down the front of the body to the perineum if you're a mm-hmm. man, cervix if you're a woman. You're taking the deepest part of your body and you're centering it on the thing you want to be intimate with. Yeah. It's pretty obvious when you think about it, but most of us, you know, are not aware enough to practice it. I know. Myself included, you know, I mean, I forget all the
1: time. Yeah, yeah. of course. You know, I I often tell couples and and men, especially when we're working together and I give them a practice. I say, look, if you just do this one out of 10 times this ever arises, that's huge. Mm -hmm. It's better than the zero out of (laughs) of infinity that you're doing it now. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. Right. A 10%, if you can increase your capacity 10% a year, you know, in 10 years, you're enlightened.
1: Yeah. That's Matt, huge.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So John, I'm curious, one of the the dilemmas or the questions that I, I love to approach in these conversations is, you know, how do you know what to do? How do you know? And, and i frame it. How do you know what to say yes to versus no to, you know, professionally, whether to stay in a relationship, whether to mm. like, like You do a lot of work with the felt sense, what comes up in your body, all of that. What's your formula for what you know to say yes to versus what is a no for you?
0: Mm, That's a good question. Well, I tend to argue that leading from the essential masculine, from your essential masculine, is the practice of resting as infinity or consciousness or emptiness or God, whatever you want to call it and feeling what needs to happen next. So you rest as, you know, my practice, and I learned this directly from David, right? Mm-hmm. My practice is to rest as consciousness. So I, I experienced that as kind of a feeling from the back of my mind out, like consciousness that holds mm-hmm. everything together. Mm-hmm. And then feel the field in front of me, like, It could be a relationship, it could be a business, it could be an opportunity, like feel with my body. So my awareness is resting as consciousness. My body's feeling what's present in the moment. And an intuition will come about what to do next or what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the practice of good, of deep, sacred leadership. Mm -hmm. Man or woman, doesn't matter, but, but it's a masculine practice. And I think that that's something that a lot of men miss because we're strategizing all the fucking time, you know? Like, how do I get what I want? How do I win? If we stop strategizing and we really like kind of land in the pocket of the moment and feel what needs to happen next, often whatever decision we make is probably going to be better. And so if it's a business opportunity, that's kind of what I would say. I would like, you know, feel it rest is consciousness, feel it, and wait for something to come. It, maybe, like, yeah. yeah, you wait. And then maybe you're not a hell yes to that. You know, you're kind of a maybe, but you would be a hell yes if they paid you this much and did this for you and had this person involved. And, right? Right. and so you can at very at the very least get clear if you're not a hell yes, speaking about a business opportunity or a relationship, right? Yeah, yeah. What would you need to be a hell yes? Yeah, But All of that tends to come, it's better if it's coming from a deeper place and not your monkey mind. Yeah. Which is normally coming from your childhood, unmet childhood needs, you know.
1: Right. Do you ever, what is your relationship to fear in the face of taking action? Mm. Like, have you ever been terrified to do something really big that you knew you had to do and you did it anyway? And if so, you know, what got you over the fear yeah. I say, if so, I know, I mean, shit, man. Yeah, oh, it's your journey in life, but, <laughs>
0: you know. Well, fuck, I had to walk into a hospital room and take my daughter off a of life support. Oh, man. I was terrified. Yeah. I, did, I The last thing in the world I wanted to do was that. Mm. And the reason I'm using this example to answer your question is because it was the biggest fear. Yeah. And the thing that I did is the thing that I try to teach mm. people, to do, which is fear, if we're going to use the lexicon that I've used, right, you know about the masculine and feminine, fear is an emotion. All emotions are the feminine. Fear is just a very strong fem- piece of the feminine energetic. Mm. So my feminine, my fear, needs a strong container. Mm. Now that container can be other men or other women, like somebody holding, helping me hold it. And so I always try to deal with fear by creating the strongest container I can. Mm. And that might be bookending, like, I'm afraid to make this call, man. I, I'm going to call you now, tell you I'm afraid, and then I'm going to call you when I'm done. I've just created a container for my fear. Mm. And and so rather than try to get over fear or pretend it's not there um, or stall with it, I, I try to teach men, because a lot of men have this, like a lot of lack of discipline is really fear unprocessed. Mm. Mm. So create containers. Yeah you know, enlist the help of other people to hold you. Yeah. And it's much more enjoyable and it's just much more fun and healthy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to walk through fear with other people.
1: Man, just, I just, I don't even have the words, just such, such deep reverence and, and respect and appreciation for your experience. And it's a life has been sharpening you to do this work, man, ever more and more what a fucking curse. And also I know it's a, the most amazing blessing. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Um, thank you, Brian. W- one last question and then we'll go to our, our five key takeaways finale. Okay. What is the biggest challenge that you think men are facing today and what wisdom could you offer in the face of it? Mm-hmm.
0: The biggest challenge I think is how easy it is to numb It's just so easy to numb on social media, video games, drugs, food, sex, you know, it's just numbness is just like there for our consumption at every Mm. turn. Mm. And the biggest challenge I think men are facing is to eschew numbness and deepen, Mm. deepen. And, and so Whatever that means, if it's deepen into a practice, deepen into a marriage, deepen into grief, deepen into sex—like what needs to get deeper in your life—that usually requires a lack of numbness, like an awareness and an Mm -hmm. attunement. Mm -hmm. Usually requires, you know, no distraction. (laughs) Yeah, you can't go deep while you're checking your Instagram. Profound. I mean, I guess you. I guess you can but it's a well, fucking practice, deep man. deep into what <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> into what is the question exactly yeah that's profound man thank you profound thank you so john let's move on to the five key takeaways finale uh which is a name of this final round which i still don't like i don't like the name that might be the ongoing running joke of this whole podcast is i have this name for the finale that i don't like and uh <laughs> so if you can come up with something better man i'm open to it yeah yeah sure But the point of it is, is I want to give men, I mean, look, you just dropped some incredible wisdom and insight and and I encourage all men to go back and listen to this again, because you're gonna hear it. You're gonna hear things you didn't hear the first time. I mean, that's what I love about these conversations is that you can just stretch them out and there's so much more to discover. But this final round, I want men to, as soon as they stop listening to this podcast, that they have some something to work with, key insights and practices, tools, resources to actually go and search, look out and work with. So there's five, let's dive in. Number one, key insight. And you've already offered a lot, but let's summarize it. What's the one key insight that you would offer listeners that you believe can make a meaningful impact on their lives because it has in yours?
0: make death an ally know that death is coming and and plan accordingly including right now this act yeah yeah make every act as if it's your last i'm hosting a retreat in
1: ireland upcoming and and on the website it's a just a landing page and and at the bottom my last frame on the page is remember you're going to die (laughs) In big bold letters. And it's even right. for me, it's like, this is this really good marketing? <laughs> Reminding people that they're gonna fucking die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And yet, John, thank you. I mean, from someone who is intimate with death in, in ways that I still I can't still don't even access yet because of I haven't had these kinds of experiences that you're having. Um, thank you for that. You are key mentor name another man that you've been inspired by living or dead that you would recommend the men listening, learn more about.
0: Yeah. Well, I would have to, I would have to acknowledge David data. Um, He's yeah. been my teacher for 10 years, you know, spent thousands of hours with him and continue to go back and assist yeah. and do everything I can with him because I, I would not be doing what I'm doing without David's influence, you know, groundbreaking you know, work in this area.
1: Yeah. Likewise, what was the starting point for you? For me, it was when I received the book, someone gave me the book, The Way of the Superior Man, right when I was out of a a break, a terrible relationship breakup. What was it for
0: you? Yeah. Well, I had a similar thing. Somebody gave me the book, but I I just, I couldn't even read it. I was that fucking, I was that. (laughs) What does that mean? What does that mean? I went to my first workshop to be, to actually experience this stuff through my body. Yeah. Um, in 2008 was my first workshop with David. So, uh, yeah, so that was my my big experience. If, yep. if you get a chance, if any of your listeners get a chance to go do work with David, you yep. know, not teaching a lot and who knows yep. how long he's going to teach, go, go, you know, pony up and go do it.
1: Yep. Beautiful. Thank you. Key resource your most impactful, inspiring book, movie, or podcast of
0: the last year? I have. Really did, dove into the Carlos Castaneda works. Yeah, I love I love his books. Yeah, Journey to Ixlan, I think is a really is is one that talks a lot about uh, meticulousness and warriorhood from in a way that's really accessible. So I would send men there. Great, all, all David's books too, but, yep. but Carlos is somebody I've been. I was Casting.
1: Yeah, Tales of Power, his work. Mm-hmm. That really changed me in many ways. So for your listeners, I will put all of this in the show notes. In case you missed this, you're driving or something, you can't write it down. It'll be in the show notes at Brian Reeves. It's Brian with a reeves.com slash podcast under in John Milan's episode. Number four, key investment. In the last year, what's the best thing you spent money on under ten thousand
0: dollars Under 10,000. Okay. Taking a chance and flying a woman out to California from New York on a hunch that we would connect. Yeah. Beautiful.
1: Yeah. All right. (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) Key practice. This is the fifth key takeaway. Key practice. You are a man all about practice, John. Please offer one consistent practice, spiritual, creative, personal, or relational that has served you well, and that you challenge the men listening to take on
0: for the next seven days. Okay, horse stance, horse stance, which is, you know, legs kind of open. I mean, you can look up what horse stance is. Sitting in horse stance, connecting to the magnetism of the earth, putting your hands out in front of you, and literally feeling your heart in your hands. This is a practice that was given to me by a martial arts instructor. Mm. And it both grounds you to the earth, and literally expands your heart energy Mm. out all the way from your chest to your hands. It's a beautiful practice and very simple. Five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you can do.
1: Okay, beautiful. Five or 10 minutes. Excellent. John, where can our listeners learn more about you?
0: Uh, JohnWineland.com. I've got all kinds of stuff up there, programs and podcasts and stuff like that. So wine Mm. like you drink, land like you live on.com.
1: Very Rumi-esque. Rumi talked a lot about getting drunk on love, drinking the wine. There you go. Wineland. I love it. John, it's been such an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for saying yes to this. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. And yeah, man, thank you. It's my pleasure, Brian. It's good to spend some time with you, man. Likewise. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Men This Way. And thank you again to John Wineland. Remember, go find John at johnwineland.com. Any links, resources, books, and John's five key takeaways will be in the show notes at brianreeves.com. Remember, that's brian with a Y, reeves.com slash Podcast. And if you can think of anyone who might be served by what you just heard, please share this episode with them now. And to help more men benefit, And anybody who loves men and is benefited by men being benefited, please right now go to whatever app you're using to hear my voice and rate this podcast with five stars and inspired words so that you too can lead more men this way. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. And if you're a man ready to lean into your edge and do the deep inner work essential for living a truly masterful life, go to brianreeves.com forward slash thriving man. It's brianreeves.com forward slash thriving man to learn more about joining my inner circle of inspired men. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with the Y Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed and your thoughts inspired.